audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. Well, as we've looked through um, Acts, we have seen, we we took a look at this last week. Um, There are a number of times in Scripture that God shows up. He shows up in people's lives, and what I mean by that, he shows up and has a message for them. Sometimes that happens in dreams, sometimes that happens in visions. We looked at that. Um, on that note, um, let, me just, let me just ask you this for a moment. For, for you, and this might look different depending upon the part of your life that you're focusing on um, when I ask this question, but for you, what, what does a dream scenario look like? What does it? Let's say, let's say you're a, a sportsman or a sportswoman. You like to hunt or fish or something along those lines. Fall is coming after all, all right? So, so what does a dream scenario look like for that? Okay, maybe you're a, you're a sports fan. Now, for me, since I'm a KU fan, I know what a dream scenario looks like since they're national champions in basketball, you know? And I'm pretty sure that they'll be national champions in football after this year. No, not going to happen. That would be a dream scenario, okay? So, so um, what about as an employee, a dream scenario? What, maybe as an employer, what would, what would that look like for you? What about as a spouse or a parent? What would that dream scenario look like? You know, we think a lot about our children. We think about their future. What, what would a dream come true be for our children. What about this? What is the dream scenario for you as a believer in Christ Jesus? What, what would that look like? As I've told you, um, when God showed up in Acts chapter 10, that account of it showed up to a man named Cornelius, showed up to a guy named Peter, okay? To Cornelius, it was a visit of an angel. To, to the apostle Peter, it was, it was a visit, the voice of the Lord, it seems, and then the prompting and the speaking of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't dreams here. Even Peter, when he's up on the roof at the house of Simon the Tanner in Joppa, it doesn't say that he's up on the roof praying and he falls asleep. If you look closely at chapter 10, it says he fell into a trance and he had a vision of this, of this incredible scene of a sheet full of animals floating down out of heaven. I mean, what does this all look like? What does it mean? So we have Peter. We have a centurion in Caesarea, a town around 30 miles away or so, an important town in New Testament history. And this this centurion, again, was named Cornelius. Right. So what we looked at last week is, is God showed up in the, he sent one of his angels to Cornelius. God showed up himself to Peter. So this takes place. Cornelius has sent a contingent to Joppa, again about 30 miles from Caesarea, to gather up Peter and bring him back. And Peter agrees to go. Now, as we're going to see from the text today, it takes a little while to get there. 30 miles in those days wasn't quite like 30 miles these days. All right? So let's take a look at it. We're going to begin in verse 23. Okay, on the next day, this is speaking of Peter, he got up and went away with them. Them is this contingent that Cornelius sent from Caesarea to go and get Peter. But look at this. 
there's some more details here. And some of the brethren from Joppa, that's some of the believers, accompanied him. Look at verse 24, it says this. On the following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and called together, had called together his relatives and close friends. Okay, so it takes, notice first of all, it takes a little while to get there. Now let's just set this up a little bit. Cornelius received his vision around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, a couple of days earlier, right? So he immediately sent this contingent to Joppa. They arrive the next day. Peter keeps them for the night, agrees to go with them, leaves the next day. Now, there's a bigger group here. you got the group that had come from Caesarea to get Peter. You've got Peter leaving with them, but Peter also brings some people with him. So I'm sure it takes him a little bit longer to travel, and it takes them a couple of days to arrive in Caesarea. Um, Peter, by the way, very wise here to take some friends with him. Because these friends would not just be there to support him. I think Peter was more concerned about this. He knew something big was about to happen. And it's a good idea when something, as we talked about last week, monumental happens. When something monumental happens, brothers and sisters, it's sometimes hard for people to believe. Okay, that's the type of big thing we're talking about. It's so big, it's like, did that really happen? So you kind of, it's kind of a good idea to have some witnesses, all right? So Peter takes with him some witnesses. Now in the meantime, Cornelius is is back in Caesarea. He sent this contingent out and he immediately begins to get the crew together, okay? He gets his relatives, he gets his close friends, and he brings them all to his home. Now this is not some typical, this is not just a good old-fashioned shindig that they're about to have here, all right? There is something big about to take place. And let me tell you something, they might have been there for a little while. From the time, if you look closely in, in Acts 10, you will see from the time that Cornelius received his, his, the, his visit from the angel, okay? Immediately sent out this contingent to Joppa, Again, 30 miles away. Before Peter and company arrived, it's four days. It's four days before they arrive from Joppa to Caesarea. So this is, this is taking a little while. This isn't just a party that, that Cornelius is having at his house. There is something big about to happen. And I'm sure they're wondering about on day three, is this really worth the wait? I mean, Cornelius, we appreciate your hospitality here. But you know what? The guest rooms are full, and I don't like sleeping on the couch. I don't. So is it going to be worth the wait? Well, (laughs) we're going to see that they'll have to decide for themselves if this was worth the wait, as we see. Um, From the very beginning of this, Peter shows up. We're going to see that this starts off a little awkwardly. All right, so let's look at verse 25. When Peter entered, and remember Peter is not alone, he has people with him. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him. And by entered, that's not referring to entering Caesarea. This is referring to entering the home. Okay? When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up saying, stand up. I too am just a man. 
It's kind of interesting what happens here. Cornelius doesn't know what to do. He knows he has been summoned and told by God himself to send over to this town 30 miles away and bring someone back because that one that would be coming has something very important for him to hear. That's all Cornelius knows at this point. So when Peter shows up, he immediately hits the ground and begins paying homage to him. And I'll tell you something, Peter... I imagine he's a little embarrassed by this. (laughs) And he grabs him up and he says, no, 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 get up on your feet. I'm just a man. I'm just a man, just like you. So get up on your feet. Now, I mean, this just shows you that that Cornelius, he he knows that this is a big deal. But he doesn't have any idea what the big deal is about as of yet, as we will see next week. So we're off to a little bit of an awkward start here. A little bit of an awkward start. Um, So we continue on with this. Again, this whole idea I want you to think about for a moment is, is, is what dreams you might have. Now let me ask you this. Dreams and nightmares. Which would you rather fall asleep at night and have? Do we got anybody here at all who would who you just you really enjoy a good wake up in the middle of the night cold sweat nightmare? We got anybody who who likes those? All right. We know from experience that there is a big difference between a dream and a nightmare. Okay. I've had all kinds of nightmares in my life, but the ones that I've had probably in the last 10 to 15 years, I have no idea. If there's any purpose behind these dreams whatsoever, I don't think there is. Maybe there's some sort of weird thing going on in my subconscious. I just do not know. But it usually, it usually plays out somewhat like this. I find myself back in college again. It is finals, and I'm completely unprepared. I mean completely and totally unprepared. I'm in class and I have no idea what the professor is talking about. And I say, it's not high school, it's not grade school, it's always college. And I have no idea and panic starts to overwhelm me. And just about the time the panic starts to overwhelm me as I'm sitting there at, at, at a table or a desk, I look down and I'm wearing nothing but my underwear. And then about that time it's like, <gasps> and I wake up. I know, it sounds strange. It sounds strange. And by the way, by, by, in terms of, of, of nightmares, it might not be that severe, okay? But I know this, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it at all, all right? There's something about nightmares, depending on what they are, they can go all different, different sorts of directions. Maybe you two have woken up in the middle of the night falling off a cliff, or someone just about to stab you or something, <gasps> you know, and you, and you wake up there in the middle of the night, but I will tell you this, the details might be different, but there's always one thing in common when it comes to a nightmare. It is, it is the very, very acute feeling of being vulnerable of being vulnerable all right that is that is the definition of a nightmare let's let's see what happens next in this situation verse 27 as he talked with them he entered and found many people assembled and he said to them You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or visit 
to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising an objection when I was sent for. So I ask, for what reason have you sent for me? Understand something. Peter has not only entered Caesarea, as has already become clear, he has entered into the home of Cornelius. There is a time in Peter's life that this scenario would be viewed as a nightmare. He's in a place he should not have been. And being in this place would have made him vulnerable. Now that would have been the Peter of, of days, years ago even. Guys, understand something else. As little as days ago, maybe it wouldn't have quite been a nightmare, but as little as days ago, Peter would never have believed that it would be possible for this to take place. For him to come into the home of a Gentile. Peter was a believer in Jesus. But Peter was still a Jew. And Jesus was a number of things. He is God, he's man, and more specifically, he's what? He's a Jew. Everything that had happened when it came to the church to this point had happened amongst the Jews. Now you could say, what about that Ethiopian eunuch? Well, he was a proselyte. Meaning he was as fully Jew as he could possibly, physically, humanly be. All right, so Peter tells Cornelius and the rest of the people, I imagine there's quite a crowd there in Cornelius' home. He tells them very, very specifically, he says, as you know and I know both. Cornelius was no dummy. Cornelius was someone who very much admired the heritage and the faith of the Jewish people. So much so, as we talked about last year, or last week, he was a God-fearer. Okay? That means he had done everything himself to, to live like a Jew, to honor the Jews short of being circumcised. Cornelius knew that Peter being in this home was not lawful for a Jew. Now let's, let's dig into this just a little bit because we need to get technical for just a moment. Peter says, you know it's unlawful for me to come as a Jew to come into your home as a Gentile. When he says this unlawful, it would be better, I don't know if that's the best translation in the world, it would be better probably to think of this as taboo or against custom. Because if you look to the Old Testament written law, you are not going to find that it was an outright breaking of the law for a Jew to associate with Gentiles or even to come into their homes specifically to come into their homes to be shared hospitality with, meaning to eat food there. But a Jew doing this, they would be, by doing this, they would be rendered ceremonially unclean. And I know this sounds strange to us because we, this just isn't our life. Well, what's the big deal about being unclean when you take a bath? No, this is ceremonially unclean. For, for Peter as a Jew, as I told you, it would be unthinkable for him in days past to think of coming into a Gentile home, especially to share a meal with them. Not even Jesus, when he walked in this world, did he come. Look at the Gospels. 
You're not going to see it recorded anywhere that he came into the home of a Gentile. Now, he was willing to. We talked about it last week, to come into the home of a Gentile centurion who had a very sick, a sick, like going to die servant. But that centurion told Jesus, you don't need to come into my home. He knew what it would do for Jesus to come into his home. It would make him unclean, would cause trouble for him. He said, just say the words and my servant will be healed. And you remember what happened. Jesus is like, wow. I mean, it's not easy to shock the son of God, okay? But he was shocked by that man's response. He said, in all of Israel, I haven't found faith like this. And then as we talked about last week, he said, the day is coming. When there, the Gentiles will be a part of what I'm here for. All right, so we've got this. I mean, it's unthinkable for a Jew to go into that home. I mean, guys, even after the Gentiles become, because this is what's happening. If you haven't got this yet, this is what's happening in chapter 10. The reason why we are here today is because of what happens in Acts chapter 10. Right? This is our history. And what we'll look at next week. But even after the Gentiles became a part of the church, it was still a pretty big deal. I mean, you can see a lot written in in, in the New Testament about meat sacrificed to idols and all of this sorts of things and the controversy surrounding all of this. Boy, if you're a part of that 1 Corinthians Wednesday night class that we do, we talked about that a lot. I mean, a lot. All right, so... Peter is in this home. It is shocking, but he is there. And Peter is sharp enough to get a true picture of this vision that he had been given a couple of days before. God himself had showed up, changed Peter's mind, saying, Gentiles, no longer unclean. Matter of fact, what does he say again? He says this. He says, God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean clean the best way i can think of this because as i said this sounds kind of strange to us all right the best way i can think of this and to put it into an example that we might at least a little bit understand is think of a place that you might go and when you leave you just feel kind of dirty i mean you, you understand what i'm saying here it's like you don't feel comfortable okay you leave you feel like you need to kind of kind of clean get cleaned up you know it's just something that something about it Um, take that times about 10,000, okay, and you have a Jew going into the home of a Gentile. So Peter knew, he was sharp enough to know that all those animals coming down on that sheet meant something, and it meant this. It meant God cares about those Gentiles. Cares about them. Peter does ask for clarification, though. He looks to Cornelius and he just wants to know for sure. He says, he says, okay, tell me again. I mean, he's meeting him for the first time face to face. And he asks him, just to make it clear. Okay, now why am I here? <laughs> this is kind of a big deal, Cornelius. You know this, I know this. Why did you ask me to come? Okay. Now, speaking of dreams... The opposite of waking up in a cold sweat, all right, that's that nightmare thing, is this, a dream that you wake up from that you wish you didn't wake up. Have you been there before? I mean, just wanted to stay there for a little while longer. Not that you wanted to live there, okay, but it was just, it was good. It was good. 
I just, just by, by a raising of hands, I'm just curious. Um, I hope my wife, she'll be here for the second service. She's in Sunday school now. I hope she'll be okay with this. She doesn't like me asking you to raise hands. Uh, okay, all right. I might not do it in the second service, but she's not here now. So, all right. Have, have any of you ever, have any of you dreamed of heaven? Did you want to wake up from that? I mean, whatever your dream was, I promise you it doesn't do justice to what we'll experience one day. But even so, it's like, I think I I could have stayed there a little longer. I think I could have. Dumb alarm clock. All right, it's not alarm clocks anymore. It's the stupid phones. Even if you turn the silence off of them, those alarms still work. Sometimes, and you can hit that snooze, doesn't work, the dream, the dream's gone, all right? What about a dream? Waking up, wishing you could go back. It's kind of interesting. Peter asks this question of Cornelius, tell me again why I'm here. Tell me why I am here. And, and once again, Luke, our, our author of of the Acts of the Apostles, gets yet another opportunity to record very clearly that God directed every bit of this. That's important because this is a big, big deal. So let's take a look at it. Verse 30. Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, you catch that? This is the exact time that four days earlier Cornelius got visited from the angel of God. I don't know why that's cool to me, but I I just think that's pretty cool. Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you've been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here, present before God, to hear about, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. There's something that we shouldn't miss right here. Catch what Cornelius says of Peter's willingness to be there in his home. Cornelius is very appreciative of Peter's willingness to come. He knows very well this isn't normal. This just did not happen. Devout Jews did not enter into the homes of Gentiles. And Peter, yes, he was a believer in Jesus But he was still a Jew. So I appreciate personally that Cornelius understood the sacrifice. Because this what Peter's doing right here, don't misunderstand. This is getting him in hot water with some people. You don't do this. As we'll see in chapter 11, Peter had to defend what he did not to just Jews, but to Christian Jews. That's the reason why he took all those witnesses with him. He's a sharp guy. And Cornelius knows that this was not, and this is, this is a big deal, that this Jew, these Jews are in his home. Now here's the thing. Look what Cornelius says next. So I've brought my people together, I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, to hear 
all that you have to say to us from the Lord. I got a question for you. Has a preacher of the gospel ever had a more promising audience? I mean, think about this for a moment. These people gathered together at the invitation of Cornelius for one reason, to listen to Peter. And they already understood before Peter even opened his mouth that it wasn't just Peter there talking. It was God speaking through Peter. I'm telling you people, this is a pretty awesome situation. Peter was not invited here to debate. He did not stand before a room full of skeptics here, okay? God himself had filled this room with very foreign people. Now, they might not have looked foreign, and Peter understood what they were saying, and they understood what he was saying. We're not talking about some big language barrier here, but understand something, brothers and sisters. When it came to Jews and Gentiles, there was a dividing line that no dividing line in this world can compare to. They were very much foreigners, outsiders. And God had brought them together and they were there ready and willing to hear the message. You know what this is? You see the title of this sermon? This is a missionary's dream. It's like all of these people come together and they are just aching to hear the message of the gospel. It doesn't get any better than that, brothers and sisters. Here's the deal. Every one of us in this room who are followers of Jesus are preachers and missionaries. I hope you understand that. Peter, the guy who's doing this, he wrote and said two things. He said, first of all, we are aliens and strangers in this world. And he also said this, we are ambassadors for our master, our Lord and our Savior. Here's the thing about it. This is a dream scenario. And it never would have happened if Peter had not been obedient to the Lord and put aside his prejudices. If Peter hadn't been willing to do that, this day wouldn't have happened. Now verse 34 is the first verse we're going to look at next week. But I think it's worthy of just taking a little sneak peek here, okay? Not only because it's incredibly important, it just also happens to have been on our sign out here in front of the church building for about a month and a half, okay? And this is what it says. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. (laughs) It is God's desire. Again, the words of Peter in his first letter. First Peter, we call it, near the end of our New Testament. It is God's desire that everyone of every nation, of every tribe, of every language be saved. And we should never, ever forget that.
as we come to our time of communion today, brothers and sisters. Let's keep a few things in mind. Jews, Gentiles, it doesn't matter. We all unfortunately fit in the same category. Without Jesus, we're standing on the outside looking in. And what we're looking into is forgiveness, peace, as we talked about a few weeks ago, eternal purpose in life, justification, salvation. You see, without Jesus, those are our qualities, and quality is not even a word that does justice to what these are in our lives. Without Jesus, we got none of it. So when we come to our time of communion, we remember what Jesus has done for us. We remember that he shed our blood. We remember, we remember that by Isaiah 53, brothers and sisters, By his stripes, by the beating he endured, we are healed. And as crazy as that sounds, I mean, think about it. Think about this for just a moment. Go to the emergency room next time because you've got this giant cut across your arm, okay? And you don't have a wife who's a nurse like me who loves stuff like that, like gets all giddy about it, you know, like, I'll I'll take care of it, you know? Nurses are weird people, all right? Okay? So you find yourself in the emergency room, okay? You got this big old gash across your arm. You're sitting there thinking, oh, that hurts, okay? You do something about this, doc? How about, how about a little Novocaine? I can handle some Novocaine or whatever you do, lidocaine, I don't know. I just want some cane of some stuff. Give me some cane, all right? Okay, because this does not feel good. Okay, and instead of giving you a shot or giving you an IV, you know what they do? They bring another guy and put him in the same room with you, and they start beating him up. And they say, how do you feel? It still hurts. Well, hit him again. Okay, do you feel any better now? No. Well, hit him again. I mean, how strange does this sound? By the beating someone else endures, you are healed. That's not natural, but you know what it is? It's supernatural. And the only reason it worked is because Jesus was not only innocent, it's because he's God. And when we come to our time of communion, We remember and we say thank you. Because without that, we are eternally on the outside looking in. 